everybody. Welcome to Two Nuts in a Pod. I'm Lizzie. And I'm Emery. And as always, we have a special guest today. Emery, would you like to introduce her? Yes, I will introduce the special guest. All of our guests are special, but this one is particularly special. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Amy Jewell, and Amy is the engagement specialist at the Leadership Louisville Center, a nonprofit organization whose mission is to inspire and equip leaders to be better and do better. She is extremely passionate about championing diversity and fighting to create inclusive spaces, leadership development, and improving the Louisville community through volunteerism and civic service. So basically, she's just a wonderful person who does great work. Oh, thanks. Yeah. So thank you, Amy, for joining us, and welcome to our show. Thank you for having me. And you worked on the same thing, didn't you? Did you do Leadership Louisville? No, I didn't. I just uh, admire Amy from a distance. I, okay. I didn't. I haven't done. I haven't. I feel like leadership. it seems like you would do something like that, like a leadership. I've done leadership thing. programs, like different programs throughout town, but no, no, I haven't. No, I think when we met, I um, awkwardly because it was at the YPAL Awards, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I saw you because you were doing some really cool thing in the community, and you broke your arm, and I remember you because you had a broken arm." And <laughs> yeah, that's I true. Remember, yeah, I came yeah. up and really, really made it awkward, but so, yeah. we're still friends, so that's good. I was able, to, yeah, <laughs> I was fortunate to receive a, an award, and I had that was when I had a separated shoulder. And everybody remembered me because they were like, oh, yeah, that's the injured guy. <laughs> okay, so. to be fair, I remembered you as the injured guy who has a really cool job. So I remembered that oh, okay. piece. You know, so it was hand in hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it was good. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we reconnected recently at, this was before coronavirus and everything, at the uh, University of Louisville was hosting, like, we could go. Oh, yes. Um, oh, what was that event? It was like. It was an alumni event for for alums to come in and um, shoot basketball and see the behind the scenes of, like, the UofL uh, locker room and just facilities at the Yum Center. It was really cool. And there was one moment where we were out on the basketball <laughs> I was court. Bring this up today. And this is, you know, a college basketball court. I'm so excited to be there. I've been a University of Louisville fan since childhood. And I made a shot. And, you know, when you make a shot, there's it's called, like, change or whatever. Someone gives you the ball back to shoot. And Amy got the rebound and then just gave the ball to somebody else. And I will never forgive her oh. for this ever. So, first of all, didn't I didn't know, know that etiquette. I was the designated rebounder. Uh, and also, <laughs> I've mentioned that I was sorry to him 17,000 times. And third, I will say, I was trying to make sure that everybody got a chance to shoot. Uh, and my husband had been, like, yeah. a ball hog that evening. So, I was like, I'm going to really make sure that everybody gets a chance. So she was being thoughtful. I took that moment away from It was, like, the only really shot sorry. I made, though. I made, like, I mean, I made shot like a hundred shots and I only made like six or so seven. So you really wanted that rebound. I, I wanted it. that ball back. <laughs> <I'm> so sorry. <laughs> I will go I will go down to, you know. So, yeah. So okay. sorry. Yeah, it's all right. It's okay. Well thank you for joining us. Okay. I do have to get into business for the show. So we're on one oh six five forward radio. You can find us on forwardradio.org. You can find us on streaming services. That's Castbox, Google Play, SoundCloud and iTunes. You can also find us on social media Instagram, the number two, two nuts in a pod, or Facebook, two spelled out, two nuts in a pod. You can also email us at two nuts in a podcast at gmail.com if you have questions, concerns, want to be on the show, want to talk about things, want to send fan mail to Lizzie, <laughs> whatever you want to do, you can send us an email and we'll respond in a timely fashion. And that is the business. Cool. I'm so good at business now. Like, yeah. That was fast. It was I, really fast. Because usually I forget like one of those streaming services. I did forget you're supposed to search for Ford Radio and then oh. you'll find Two Nuts in a Pod. Yeah. Because we're under the Ford Radio umbrella. So. Yeah. And there's lots of other great programs too, so you should check those out as well. Totally. 
Okay, so Roses and Thorns then. So uh, for new listeners, Roses and Thorns is when where we talk about the things that are going well for us or the things we're really understanding, the thorns and, oh, sorry, the roses. And then the thorns are things that are giving us some resistance that are challenging. So, yeah, roses and thorns. Who wants to go first? Right on. Lizzie, go first. I should go? Okay. (laughs) So my, I'm going to start with my thorn because I've just been feeling so crappy for the past, like, week. I have really bad anxiety right now. And so it's like, I can't relax, but I also feel like paralyzed. Like I can't do things either. So I'm just like seriously miserable all day. Like I don't know what to do with myself. And I've tried to like explain to people what that's like. It almost feels like I got abducted by aliens and my brain was wiped of anything that like how you're supposed to be a human. So I just came back to earth and I'm like, what is this? What we eat now we cook and then we eat. What is that laundry that you're doing? Like everything feels like just kind of alien. Mm -hmm. And so, and this is the worst I can remember my anxiety ever being. So I don't know what it is that I guess just how the world is right now that maybe is adding to things, but because typically my anxiety and depression, I'm or I'm still functional. But this past, with my depression, like a few weeks ago, and my anxiety now, I'm, I don't feel very functional. And that's hard for me, because I realize it's like a fear that I have to not be in control, or to be like, that crazy. You know what I mean? Like, cr- like that I couldn't take care of myself. Uh, I realized that was a fear I had, because I kept voicing it. And I'm like, wow, I'm really afraid of not being able to take care of myself. But my, I have a couple roses. One is my husband who has been my rock uh, with all this mental health stuff. Over, I mean, and he's dealing with it too. He deals with depression and anxiety, but he's really stepped it up to take care of me. And, you know, meal planning, cooking the meals, that's usually something I do. It's usually something I like. Mm-hmm. I like eating a variety of nutritious foods and I like cooking most of the time. But when I get like this, I have to ask him to, like, step in and do the meal planning, do the cooking. Because right now it's like anything I do that makes my body feel too alive, it's like, nope, can't do it. Like eating, like whatever it is, it's just like it feels like I'm not allowed to do that, like the normal things right now. Yeah. Like no appetite. Yeah. So, but Seth's been great. And I also wanted to mention a book that I'm reading. This is way off topic, but it's called Stamped from the Beginning. I'm sure people have heard of it. Ibram X. Kendi, it won a National Book Award, um, was published in 2016. But it's like the history of racist ideas in America. And it is fascinating, y'all. Like, seriously, there's so much. It's like, of course, you have that thought, like, this is what I should have been taught in school. Because there's so much that we don't know like and that this book exposes about like particularly i'm in a section where it's talking about the founding founding fathers and what how there was some anti-racist thought or sorry anti-slavery thought but even that was racist so even the people who were arguing to end slavery they were still saying that black people were inferior um, and needed to be saved converted to christianity you know various things So um, I just feel like it was a good moment to read the book, and it's making me feel like 
I'm doing something good. And it's interesting. That's really good to hear. Also, oh. just like, just great to hear about, you know, Seth stepping up and, and helping and supporting you so much. And that's, that's really great. I know that Seth reached out to me as well, you know, with my struggles and he's always been just a, just a great guy and a great friend. And yeah. Yeah. I'm really happy for that. Yeah. He's very like even keel. So even when he does have when he's dealing with anxiety and depression, I mean, we were talking before we recorded about like how well we can cover it up. He's like a ninja at covering it up. He's got like a lot of avoidance things that he does. Mm -hmm. And I'm almost jealous of them. I'm like, well, I wish I had something like video games, you know, (laughs) to entertain me. But, uh, yeah, he has been really supportive. He actually, um, this past weekend when I was, I was, you know, pretty down state of mind. He invited myself and my roommate over to watch Hamilton and neither one of us had seen it. And he was like, Oh my God, you have to see this. And I was like, I don't know. I'm feeling kind of sad. And he's like, well, I'm sad too. Just come over and watch it. <laughs> I'll be sad. And we watched Hamilton and we were just blown away by it. Mm-hmm. And that was something where I, um, I downloaded the album immediately after watching Hamilton. And now you probably know all the words. <laughs> yeah. There's a few songs in particular that I've listened to multiple, multiple times, but it was just also like, it was just such an emotional experience watching it as well. And then just mm-hmm. some of the things I've been going through as well, you just connect with certain songs and certain scenes and it just, uh, yeah, it was it was a lot, but it was also just that was so nice of him just to reach out and be willing to do that. And you know, I was like, "Hey, I'm bummed out," but he's like, "Me too. Come on over." <laughs> yeah, and I I think he was he was initially doing it for him because he didn't know you were suffering right now, yeah. but he needed to see people. Yeah, and yeah. it just so happened you did too, and mm-hmm. that you both were sad and yeah. were able to like commiserate and he's like he probably likes hamilton and he was right (laughs) yeah well and the fact that he seth is your husband you said the fact that you know i mean he is like no like bring your authentic self like let's all hang like that Mm. that was that's really cool to hear yeah Yeah. that he's yeah he doesn't expect Mm -hmm. anything yeah just like a come as you are yeah just show up Mm-hmm. I love friends like that. They're the best. This is just yeah. a Seth tribute show, right? Here, right. So. Yeah. I don't even know Seth. <laughs> Seth. It sounds like we would be great friends. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty okay, I guess. <laughs> All right. So, who wants to do roses and should we rock paper scissors or how do you want to do it? I'm gonna say you should go. <laughs> okay. Amy. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. So I will follow your lead just because I like to um, sometimes leave gratitude for the end, but save the best for last. But I think the thorn. I'm just having a really tough time wrapping my head around the lack of empathy in the world lately. I think where my anxiety shows up is I oftentimes like to control others, <laughs> for, for lack of a better word for it. And I just I just don't understand sometimes how people can be so thoughtless or so careless and just really not care about others. And I think that because my what I strive to do in the world, and I'm going through therapy for this right now, is because I think I always put others before myself, which is a wonderful thing some days in a huge flaw others but i just can't wrap my head around the fact that people just don't do don't think about others and their well-being and that just bothers me to an end whether it's talking about the racial disparities and you know and and or the or covid and not wearing a mask or any of those things it just is it just bothers me to a t so 
So yeah, so that's my thorn. And then my rose is just the awesome people. I mean, I, I was telling Emery when we were um, walking in, I've been listening to the podcast for a couple of weeks now. And Kate, you all had Kaysen on and Kaysen and Meek is one of my very good friends. And Nubia, is, Nubia actually used to be my sister-in-law um, in a funny little weird Louisville way. So, so Nubia is very near and dear to my heart. And just like knowing Emery and I just, I'm really, really, really thankful for the amazing people that are in my life. Um, because I think they not only challenge me to be a better person, but also just surround me with amazing, amazing qualities and amazing friendship. And I'm just really grateful for my family and my friends right now. So nice. Very nice. Very nice. Also, you've probably surrounded yourself with many people who are empathetic people. I think think so. Yeah. 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 I mean, well, yes, yes. So part of, yeah, and we can get into this, but part of where my anxiety shows up is I am always like doing things for others. And I think that I... I'm so good at that, that sometimes it's tough to get that, to receive that back, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, and then that codependency, like if I do something for you on a bad day, you're going to do something for me on a bad day. Right. And like, that doesn't always happen, but that's a bad flaw that like the codependency is a flaw within me, I guess. I I don't know if you'd say a flaw, but, um, I think so many, so many people are, I mean, I know I'm codependent. Yeah. Right. And I always thought of myself as a super independent person. But it turns out I'm actually very codependent. So I'm learning about codependency now. And it's it's a fun time, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's real fun. That does sound fun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's not. But it, it involves a lot of crying, a lot of journaling. But we're getting there. Fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, quote, unta- yeah, quote unquote fun. <laughs> but, you know, but it's really cool to, like, understand yourself on a deeper level, yeah. I think. So, yeah, yeah, that's me. Very much agree. Okay. Cool. So I'll go with my rose and thorn. Uh, I would say my rose would be... So I'm going to flip it here. My rose would be, I've done some walk and talks. So walk and talks for me is where I just join a friend, walk around with them in a park in a neighborhood, and we just talk. It is that simple. And I've had one today, earlier today, with our good friend, uh, Robbie, who is married to Mandy, who was a previous guest on our show. Friend of the podcast. Friend of the, friend, Sorry, yeah, friend of the show. Friend of the show. And yeah, and then uh, one yesterday as well, actually, was with Kaysen. So we He's just, the we, best. We just talked about it, And I plan to keep, continue doing that. And it's just a really nice way to be outside, to be in nature, even though it's unbelievably hot. Yeah. Uh, but it's just a nice way to connect with another individual and just have a good conversation and also to be very much in the moment. And that's one thing that I've always struggled with is just being there and being present. And because my mind just wanders all the time. But when I'm with someone and walking, it's just it's easy for me to just have this conversation and be very much in the moment. And the reason I've started those walk and talks is because of the thorn. And my thorn, if if individuals are not aware, is I was uh, hospitalized this week for uh, suicidal ideation and planning of a suicide attempt. And that's it's it's been a very uh a very a difficult week and it's really been a difficult past month because it's been something that's on my mind and just kind of a, a fleeting thought here and there but i thought i could battle against it and fight against it and i just realized i it's that's a fight i can't do on my own and so i decided this week it was on a tuesday today is sunday and on tuesday i checked into a, a hospital basically to save my own life because I was unsure of what I would do or if something might trigger me to make a really rash and terrible decision. And, you know, I've done with, I've dealt with this stuff before. I was hospitalized in 2017 for suicidal thoughts, and I was hospitalized in 2013 for a suicide attempt. So, you know, this is not my first time around, and but I knew this was, this was what was going to save me. So I really 
I'm not going to say enjoyed my experience at the hospital, but it was something that it helped me greatly. And, and now, and I was there for just under two days with, with coronavirus going on and with everything happening, you know, they weren't going to keep me for a really long period of time and thought I was doing well enough to leave. So I've left and I started, I enrolled in a intensive outpatient program. So that's like intense therapy where you go for four hours a day, every day of the week, Monday through Friday. And it's for like four weeks, I think. And that's just really intense group therapy. And I went on Friday and it was wonderful and kind of a funny story. Not funny though, but a a sign of the times was I went to the group therapy and I showed up on Friday and nobody was there. And they were like, oh yeah, well, so one person in the group, the previous group was got coronavirus so they had to quarantine everybody so you are the only one that's part of group therapy today so i had group therapy by myself cool, cool, cool. Wow. so with a therapist for like an hour and a half and then did art therapy for like almost two hours and it was just a wonderful experience that sounds lovely and yeah. um yeah. and so i'll continue that on monday tomorrow and it's just you know this is this is a difficult process it requires me reaching out to other individuals and being very open about it. I've been very open about my mental health struggles and I continue to be, and it's, I sometimes realize the risk of that. You know, I could get judged for that. I could, you know, have all sorts of different issues, but it's just something I feel like is necessary for my healing process. And one thing I did was on a Facebook post was I encouraged individuals to kind of give them an action plan for me was their homework was to reach out to me. One of their two assignments, the other assignment was to be gentle with yourself, but main one was to reach out to me because I tend to isolate myself and I don't want to bother people. Mm-hmm. And I realized that is never helpful. And so I reached out to people and they, it, I received a lot of responses and that was really, really wonderful. A lot of support and support from people who were going through the same experiences or had dealt with similar experiences or people that were like, I can't relate to it at all, but I'm here for you whenever you need me and let's go on a walk or a hike together. I want to get together. And so that, that creates that, okay, well, let's do this activity together. Let's build time together. And it's, it does help me heal because otherwise I would just stay in my apartment and do my own thing and avoid people and feel like I was a bother. And these past few days, it's only been three days since I left the hospital. You know, I've just been constantly like interacting with people, talking about mental health, talking about my feelings you know, I've had people check in on me, holding me accountable, and that actually is incredibly helpful. And I'm very, very thankful for that, even though it is, you know, it's painful and exhausting and it's very tiring and I'm tired right now. <laughs> and it just is a, but it's a process and it's a process that is worth the work. And is it similar to experiences you've had before as far as like kind of getting you in that problem solving mode and getting medications if needed. Yeah, so I'm on I'm on medication now again. So Which I, one? Uh, I'm on Buspar. Me too. Okay. Oh, Buspar buddies. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like I take like six pills a day, so there's just a good odds that you take one of the same ones I do. <laughs> uh, that one and uh, the Wellbutrin. Um, okay. I'm back on again, and I haven't taken meds for probably three years. So I'm back on medication. I'm back in group therapy. I'm continuing to do my weekly therapy sessions that are teletherapy sessions with my therapist. And then also just having lots of people that hold me accountable, that are checking in on me, seeing how I'm doing, uh, making sure I'm you know doing things with other people because I know that really helps me. So this time it was a little different because I drove myself. 
I was pretty calm going in. I mean, calm. That's very subjective there. I was <laughs> calm for where I had been before. So in 2013, I attempted, and I was at a hospital, and then I was taken by ambulance to this uh, facility, and this was in Mississippi. 2017, the girl I was dating at the time, she's the one that took me to the hospital. And so this time I took myself, and because I was like, I don't know where else to turn, and I need a safe place to go, and this was a safe place for me. And so that was very difficult, but it was something that it did feel like I was making progress in some way. I felt better about this, and... I also felt leaving. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm really determined. And I've, I've been working to get better or to manage my mental health and, you know, appropriately in a healthy way, work with my mental health. But in 2017, and I think, you know, Lizzie and I were friends then as well. I, I put a lot of the emotional lifting on the girl that I was dating at the time. Mm-hmm. And that's something mm-hmm. that we've talked about before that often happens with a lot of men that they'll put all of their emotional weight and baggage on the shoulders of their significant other. And that was incredibly unfair of me. And I've learned from that to now where I was like, okay, now I don't want to, I don't think I should be in a relationship with someone. I think I really need to work on this myself. And, you know, obviously with the support of my village, but it's not something I want to put this on somebody else because I, I honestly was kind of angry with myself for 2017 where I was like, I feel like I just got out of there and then went to group therapy and was just like, oh, okay, I'm fine. Whatever. No big deal. And just like didn't change my behaviors at all. Mm. Didn't learn from my mistakes. Didn't change behaviors. Just like let it sit. And then eventually it just builds up again and becomes a bigger and meaner monster. Mm -hmm. And, And that's what it felt like lately. Probably the past month I've been struggling, but it was... You know, I I got really involved in the Black Lives Matter movement and protest, and I found that that was that was almost like a distraction. It was like I was just avoiding the monster that was inside of me, and because you know, I'll I'll do anything to go help and support mm-hmm. and do things for others. But oh, it was yeah. like, hey, are you like taking care of yourself at all? And I wasn't. I was totally neglecting myself. And then once it kind of like slowed down, I noticed I was like, something is wrong. Something's not feeling right. And my anxiety was racing and my depression was terrible. And I would obsess over things and just like ruminate on things for long periods of time. And then all of a sudden those, those thoughts popped back in. It was like suicidal thoughts and thoughts of harming myself and just kind of just, a, it just beat the hell out of me. And so I eventually was like, I need to do something. And when Seth actually, this was, and I, I don't think I've told you this, Lizzie, when Seth invited me to watch Hamilton, there was one scene, one musical number, I don't know what to call it, <laughs> where it was, um, the song is It's Quiet Uptown. And sorry to spoil it for people, but Alexander Hamilton's son dies in a duel. And, and I, I was just emotional the whole show. Cause it's just, a, it's a, it's just a lot, mm. but it's the father walking around and he's sad and torn apart by the death of his son. And it honestly, I internalized that. And I thought about my own dad who Mm -hmm. I'm particularly close to Mm -hmm. and love very dearly. And I just, I was just like, I was sitting, you know, Brendan was a little further away and Seth was on the other side of the room. And it was just like so many tears just coming down my face because I was like, "I, I cannot do this to them. And, and that's, that's something that also is really struggling for me is it like, okay, am I, am I not ending my own life for the sake of others or am I not ending my own life because I love myself? And unfortunately, mm-hmm. I feel like it is the former. It's yeah. because I worry so much about how they, how, what would happen to them and how they would respond. Because, yeah, I mean, 
thinking about my parents learning about my death is is the worst thing imaginable to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then it's also like, hey, like you have so much self-hatred that you don't even see like, yeah, your life is worth living because you love yourself and you see a great future for yourself. And that's something that I've really struggled with. And it's something I still struggle with, but it's something that I, you know, I want to learn to have more love for myself and be more gentle with myself and have more compassion for myself and forgive myself. And that's something that it's just, it's, it's tough. And, um, it's a fight that I keep fighting. I think, so what I've been learning in therapy is it's not, you know, just like diversity, equity, inclusion work, there's not really like a plateau or there's not really like a, oh, I've achieved it. Like, great. I'm an expert. (laughs) I think that mental health issues are something that you're not going to, like, you're not going to wake up consistently and be like, I love myself every day and I'm awesome and this is great. Um, Or maybe you are and that's freaking awesome. But (laughs) for me, (laughs) that is not the reality. And so, you know, she tells me that my anxiety, she says, you know, there there are going to be days where it's going to be worse and there are going to be days that you can kind of, you know, notice habits and notice these things and kind of step back and say like, okay, I'm saying sorry too much or I'm apologizing for existing in the world. Like you need to be able to say like, you know, kind of keep tabs of, of those unhealthy behaviors. And there are going to be sometimes that are their worse and they're going to be sometimes that they're better, but like knowing the tools to cope or, um, just having the right tools in your tool belt to like when the days when it does get bad are, um, is really helpful. And that kind of helped me frame like, Oh, okay. I'm never going to just get rid of my anxiety and be like, Oh my God, I'm perfect. And like, this is what it feels like. But, but it, that does help me kind of like flip it and not maybe not flip it but give me give me the right state of mind to say like okay I'm never going to wake up and completely feel like my life is like I, I love I love myself and I love every part of myself but I do think that given the right tools I can kind of exercise the I can maybe find I don't know I'm not I'm not saying this correctly but but I think that the tool belt like having the right tools in your tool belt on bad days is what therapy I think helps and does for me is gives me like equips me with those tools. Yeah, yeah. And I, I felt like my bad days were just the lately the bad days it just everything kept piling on. Mm-hmm. So everything became like a trigger, everything was going wrong and you could you put those blinders on yep. where you see nothing else. It's very much focused on just bad and just awful stuff. And, and yet, it's everywhere. It's so easy to switch to only focusing on the negative. Yeah. And that's how it just sucks you in. And I feel like mm-hmm. in 2017, I was going to say the word arrogant, but maybe not arrogant, maybe comfortable. Like I was almost too comfortable post-hospitalization. And for this one, I feel humbled and hopeful. So, yeah. I mean, obviously I'm worried and stressed out, but like, and tired, but I am, I felt very humbled about this experience and I feel very hopeful for a better future so that that does help me a lot and so yeah it just is a just a lot (laughs) and then this is you know this is all i've been talking about the past few days so just as you know last night i think i i got home and i had like an 8 30 to 8 30 day where i was just like constantly around someone or talking about it and it just you know by 8 30 i was like okay i need to shut my brain off and i but i felt very good about it because i knew that i had a lot of support around me so well, I'm glad you created that, too, because with COVID, you didn't get that sense of community in the hospital. So mm-hmm. that it's probably what has pulled you out from just from knowing you. Like, I know that you you go to your support system yeah. when it gets bad. And that's such a good skill. That's such a good thing, like impulse, because like we're all here, like humans, we're all here to relate to each other. Like, that's all it is at the end of the day. So it's like 
we rely on other people like babies you know rely on someone to take care of them that's like our whole lives we rely on other humans and what they think of us and and that's why one of the reasons i think it can get so lonely when you are depressed or anxious because it it's like it's removed it's taken you away from people Mm -hmm. Well, and I think you said something that really um, resonated with me, Emery, when you said, I don't want to be seen like a bother. That is like what my anxiety puts in my head all the time Mm -hmm. is like any time that I don't text back quick enough or I don't email back quick enough or I don't do something for someone quick enough. I mean, I'm always like, I'm such a bother. Like that is my full existence is bothering people. And it's like so I know it's not ridiculous, but like when I say it out loud, I think like, of course, I, you know, when I hear a friend and they're, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that I haven't texted you back recently. They're like, it's, you're, you're fine. Like, it's fine. You also, but I just like have this anxiety of yeah. like, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah I, when you came, when I saw you, you were like, hey, I just wanted to apologize for the text I sent because yeah. I sounded like a jerk. And I was like, oh, I didn't take it like that at all. But, but yeah, just, you, you know, being so mindful of that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. sometimes that can be so consuming too. Oh my God. All the time. It yeah. sounds like worry. And yes. that, that's just part of anxiety yeah. that. Oh, yeah. It's so hard. The constant constant worrying. Mm -hmm. I remember the day that I came home with uh, and told my husband that my therapist thought I had anxiety. He was just like, (laughs) yeah, no, duh. (laughs) I was like, oh, okay. Well, I'm glad other people see it. I never knew. So this is super cool. But yeah, it's interesting. So when did you first see that you had anxiety? Well, I, let's see. So I've always had a little bit of depression, I think, um, or kind of had like fallen into a a little bit of depression. I think I had a spout in like eighth grade where I was listening to a lot of Lincoln Park. And then, uh, (laughs) and then in high school, I had a really tough time with it. My junior and senior year was in a really rough relationship. And then, and then in... I guess recent, more recently, I was telling Emery about this, someone really close to me attempted suicide. And I think that's when I started to just constantly worry. And I had started to go see a therapist right before that, actually, because I knew that I was taking on a lot. I'd said yes to a lot of things, which is a way to not deal with my emotions is to just say yes to everything. And also to not be a bother is to say yes to people so that they can think I'm helpful. Uh, and so I, I started going to therapy to get the tool, like I said, to get the tools just so that when days were bad, I could cope with them appropriately. And so then I think the anxiety got a little bit worse once, once that, that suicide attempt happened. And yeah, so I started to start to go pretty consistently then. And, and yeah, she, I remember her saying like, yeah, you've got some, you've got some anxious tendencies. Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh, I thought everybody functioned like this. This is really interesting to me. Yeah. So then, then my husband was like, yeah, yeah, you're pretty anxious. But yeah, probably about two years ago is when I started to like tap into, oh, that's an anxious behavior. Oh, that's anxiety. Like, like realizing how my anxiety really shows up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the fact like you didn't know it was your normal. So you didn't know. Yeah. Oh, I thought everybody, I thought everybody was like constantly worried. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, oh, people don't go through this all the time. This is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, uh, it is, it's very interesting to think about that. I will say one other rose I had that mm-hmm. I forgot to mention was, so I kind of always, and I had this in the hospital and then in subsequent group therapy that I had this past week, I kind of always scoffed at art therapy. I was very much like, okay, that's beneath me. I'm more of like, show me a documentary or a research <laughs> article. And like, and we did art therapy my first day of group therapy. And I just, I just cried during the, the assignment. Cause I was like, this was so beautiful and so well done. 
and it's just something that I will never scoff at again. Art therapy definitely works, and it's especially when you have a great therapist or some a great instructor, it can be very, very effective, and it tapped into very deep emotions that were connected to childhood experiences and that also will connect to my behaviors today. And it was something that was really powerful and a, a great experience. And I won't go into sharing all the details with it, but I just wanted to add that one more rose. Well, I'm curious, though, what was the assignment? Because it might be something people can do at home yeah, without... Yeah, can I write that down? Without <laughs> leading... Well, yeah. I... Um, so he comes in and brings me the construction paper and the markers. They're Mr. Sketch markers. Oh, yes. And I was just like... And then he was like, fold it in half. And I was like, okay, fold it in half. That's what <laughs> right. I'm doing. And I just was like, you know, kind of rolling my eyes in, inside of my head so he didn't see. But um, I, he said to fold it in half, and then on one side you're going to draw yourself as a seven-year-old, and you're going to draw yourself with your current state as well, the current age. And you want to have the current person, like, either talking to them or what you want what would you want to say to them how would you want to help them what would you want to do for that seven-year-old and that was particularly tough for me because when I was seven is when I first had suicidal thoughts so that was and I couldn't remember if I told him that I was like wow he picked seven and seven is like a really that's that is an age I definitely remember when those thoughts came about and I didn't have anyone to talk to about that I didn't know I didn't have the language for it Mm -hmm. I didn't know what it was called I just knew that I didn't like myself and I didn't want to be here anymore and so the 33-year-old me just sat, well, there were stick figures sitting on chairs, which actually they're standing on chairs because I don't know how to draw people sitting down. Uh, they're sta- Floating above the chairs. <laughs> Floating above these chairs. Um, just listening, listening to the seven-year-old. And that was something I was like, that's all I wanted, which I already thought, okay, that's already super sad because it's just like I just wanted someone to listen to me. And the other side, he said, okay, the other side. And I thought, okay, he's going to make me draw my current self and like, my future self and what do my future self want to do. But he said, no, what I want you to do is you're going to write a letter from your seven-year-old self to your current self. And he actually wanted me to write the letter with my non-dominant hand, so my left hand. And what that did, not only did it make my handwriting kind of look like a kid's writing or mm-hmm. like, you know, you're, you're, you know, you don't have the skills yet with that, uh, that penmanship. And But also it made me slow down. So all I did, because the writing forced me to be like, okay, this is taking so long. Just get to the point. Just tell me how I feel. So I didn't add any fluffy language or anything like that. It was very much like, uh, I basically, I feel very sad all the time. I feel dumb and stupid. I feel like no one listens to me. I don't have good friends and feel, you know, I just wish people understood me for me. So very simple. But I immediately, once I started to write it, started to cry. Because I was like, that was so much pain that I had as a seven-year-old that I felt like no one ever listened to. And then it was like, oh, now I can express it to somebody. And I was like, man, I just wish I had that person to talk to back then about that. But also, like, he made me sign my name. And, like, the writing, it looks like my writing from when I was a little kid. But it was because I had to do it with my left hand. Yeah. But also it was no like, you know, when I write a Facebook post, I'll put, you know, fluffy words and things in there and all this, you know. BS or whatever. Well, not BS, but just like all this extra stuff. And like, this was just like direct to the point, my feelings, my emotions, how I feel. And then he was talking about after that, he was like, okay, well your 33 year old self, when it goes back and talks to your seven year old self, he's also like, Hey, like, you know, kind of like look around you, look at what you have. Cause he started to tap into memories that I had with my dad about, we would jump on the trampoline with my siblings and we double balance each other or whatever, or like a breakfast that my mom would often make for us. And like, my depression has distorted not only my current view, but my memories as well. 
So my my letter to myself as a 33-year-old was just darkness, sadness, awfulness. It was like that's all I had. But it's like, wait a second. No, actually, if I could go back and talk to my 7-year-old, not only would I say your ve- your feelings are valid and these feelings mm-hmm. are real, mm-hmm. but also like you have to look around at everything around you and there's a lot of good around you too. So you have to take that in. And that's what I would say to myself today. I would come, if I was standing outside my own body, I'd be like, dude, you've put these blinders on and you don't see that you have an amazing support network. You have a family that loves you so much. You have a great job. You have all these things to be thankful for. But also you should know that like your feelings are still real and valid, Mm -hmm. but you also have all this stuff around you that you don't see when you're in that depressed blinders view where you only see certain things. So his homework for me was to, the, the breakfast was cinnamon toast that my mom would make. So he said, mm-hmm. your homework this weekend is to make yourself cinnamon toast and eat it. And Aww. so I did that with uh, my brother, sister-in-law, and niece. And then to also notice when your blinders are up and try to gently take them off and see what that feels like. So that's what I've been doing this weekend. So it is amazing. All of that is amazing because... So I have been working on my inner child. Literally, we just started in therapy mm-hmm. two weeks ago. And on top of that, the cinnamon toast was my mom's favorite oh, really? to make. Yeah, so I'm like sitting here like gawking like, are you in my life? Like, this is literally what, what is happening. Yes. So it's, yeah, it, was, it was literally just, I remember making it. My, my, I think my brother, other, our sister-in-law, Leo, who she's originally uh, from Venezuela and she was like oh is like she was like thinking of all the ways you make it and she was oh, like yeah. she was like looking it up online I was like no no no, 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 no. no. it's literally I put bread in butter. the toaster butter cinnamon and sugar yep and that's it yeah, yeah. and that is what we do and uh-huh. I would I would also I would often fold it in half and then bite the center of it and make a little hole in it so I just look through <laughs> and that's what I did bread donut. and so I showed my niece how to do that and that was like okay this is actually like a really like sweet moment and I remember those I remember that now but my vision was so clouded mm-hmm. with that depression and dark thoughts mm-hmm. that I couldn't see anything else. So yeah. even when I was seven, it was like all I saw was like pain and, you know, that that terrible loneliness. And so it was just it was just an interesting lesson. And I just I'd never done something like that before. And I was like, oh, like I've, you know, talked about that type of stuff before. But it was just so different with that art aspect and that writing the letter and something I, I love to write. So it was like, okay, we're tapping into something I really care about. Um, Because drawing, obviously, if I'm drawing stick figures standing on chairs, (laughs) it's not my specialty. (laughs) But it was was just particularly powerful for me. And I I really appreciated it. And I was like, all right, art therapy, I see you. And I think the child, looking, talking to your child self, I think is smart for anyone who deals with anxiety and depression. Because usually we're very critical of ourselves, Mm -hmm. like, Maybe because people didn't talk about mental health when we were younger, we just had to adapt. Mm -hmm. But if you can see yourself with compassion, if you can, Mm -hmm. you know, a kid is blameless, right? Usually, I mean, kids can act out, but we don't hold them to the same standards that we do adults. It's like, sometimes I think I need to treat my mental illness like that, too. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's interesting because I think... Emery, kind of like you were saying when you were like rolling your eyes and like, oh, okay, this is a little hokey. Like whenever somebody brings up like the inner child, I'm like using air quotes. I'm always like, oh, okay, like this is where this gets like weird. But it was really interesting. We were talking about how I think my anxiety shows up because I put things off. So I've found that like I love my friends very dearly, but I will procrastinate on text messages and emails and stuff like that just because they get so like burdensome and then I'm like oh my god I haven't responded in three days and then it just like gets worse and so then I worry 
as anxious people do. Um, And when I was talking to my therapist about it, we were also talking about kind of how I grew up and just, you know, in this certain situation, patience was not always the first emotion that was really expressed in my household. I, my just parents aren't very patient. And so that's a nice way to put it. And so, um, and I, and I love my, my parents very dearly, very, very, very dearly. And we have a lovely relationship, but I think that I oftentimes grew up thinking that I was a burden. And so I think that when she said she literally like looked at me, actually, Brian and I were supposed to have like a co-therapy session and he walked into the room right as she was saying, it's okay for you to exist. And I just started weeping and I was like, not even, I was like ready to go back to work. Like it was going to be 10 minutes later. And for her to say those words to me, I was just like, oh my God, that is what the little girl inside me truly believes. Like that is what is like it is it is okay for me to be here and it was really interesting because i had been working something through at work and when i got some feedback from someone you know she she mentioned like you know you oftentimes like in a room like can i please like thank you so much i really appreciate it and so you oftentimes like create your like create this this thought that like you are a burden or you come in thinking you are like you don't deserve my time you don't deserve that and but essentially, I just think that it's um, so she was saying that I enter rooms like, please and thank you. And mm. oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry to bother you. Or I have a really quick question. And I think that that's um, a lot of women stereotypically do that. But I think when you grow up, you know, thinking that you are a burden or thinking that they're and, and my parents are, like I said, lovely human beings, but no one's perfect. And so they had a lot going on. And I think that it, it oftentimes would would seep into our communication styles, which I guess is why I was a communication major (laughs) um, when I think about it. But yeah, so it was really interesting, I think, to her for her to say, like, it's okay to exist because now I like now I kind of try to like that's another tool in my toolkit that I can take and say instead of I have a quick question, I'm just going to ask the question or I'm just going to enter the room and like try to be a little bit more confident and maybe not bury the anxiety, but like tell that anxious side of my, of my brain, like, it's okay. Like you're going to be okay. Like Mm -hmm. you, they hired you because you are a really good worker. They hire, you know, they're your friend because you're a good friend to them. Like all of these things. So I don't know that little, that little anxious or that little, um, inner child is, it's a tough one to deal with. Yeah. And I, I even, I think of like, you know, think of yourself as a burden or a bothersome, like, you know, and that's like putting those blinders back up really. Mm -hmm. And it's having that very negative, toxic perspective of yourself. And that happened this morning. I ate breakfast again with my niece, my brother and sister-in-law. And my brother said, okay, we're going to go around the table and say what we're thankful for. And my niece goes first and she says, I'm thankful that uncle Emo came to breakfast today. And Aww. of course, it's like super sweet. And my mind immediately was like, she was told to say this. Like, oh, man. That's what my mind yeah, said. Yeah, the cynical, and, uh, and, depressed uh, and, part. And then I was like, and I had to fight against it. I was like, hey, Emery, like, one, you're telling yourself a story. Maybe she actually did just say this. And maybe she wanted to say this. Mm-hmm. Two, she, I mean, if she was told to say this, oh, well. Like, you know, who cares? Like, take the love. Take it. Take it. Just accept it. Accept this love from somebody else that cares about you. And who cares if she was told to say it? Because, like, it does mean something special to you. Right. You're grateful to be here, and you're thankful for the people around you. And, like, they're making an effort. Uh And they care about you and support you. So it was kind of just like, and I was doing that. I was like, okay, I'm going to take these blinders off. Because my immediate thought was, this is made up. 
you know, I don't really deserve this. This she was told to say this very negative. And it's like, okay, no, let's let's gently take those blinders off and realize that you are worth being loved and they do care about you and accept it. It's so interesting how your brain works, too, because like my coworker on Friday, when I realized that I was just like having a tough day, literally, I was posting something on Instagram about how like, uh, today, just like, (laughs) I'm feeling it today, you all. And my coworker calls me like, even before I post it. And she was like, Okay, I'm right by Taco Luchador. I know that you really like the veggie torta. Um, I'm coming to your house and I'm bringing you one. Do you want a margarita? And I was like, first of all, did someone put you up to this? (laughs) Because I know that like somebody knows that I'm tech or that I'm stressed out and might have texted you and she was just like no like I just want to do it and it's interesting how your brain just immediately is like somebody put you up to this like you don't want to do this yourself like I don't deserve this and then Mm -hmm. it's like it's like people want to help it makes people feel good when they can help yeah or just be a good friend like they might not even know that they're helping I think that a lot of times like because I just cover it up so so well that they might not even know and they just might be trying to be a good friend and I'm like well I don't deserve that why are you doing that for me so Yeah. yeah Yeah, so that was, that was just, I was like, oh, why am I doing that? But then I was like, okay, I'm not going to beat myself up for thinking that thought. That thought, those thoughts have come my entire life. I've done that often. It's okay to have those thoughts, but let's like gently pull back a little bit mm-hmm. and just see that, you know, one, I'm telling myself a story. Two, she may just be like, if she was told, who cares? Yeah. People love you. Accept it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I've tried to do some like meditation and yoga a little bit throughout throughout the break, um, more cons- on a more consistent basis. The and break, the break, yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm calling it, right? Um, it sounds so cool, so much cool. Actually, uh, what Nubia was calling it her sabbatical, so yeah. like it's, I can't be as cool as Nubia, but I'll call it the break. <laughs> and like that's part of meditation, right? It's like thoughts will come in, but you have to be able to say like it's okay and just like put them out of mm-hmm. your head without like any guilt. And I think the guilt and shame are the things that just like constantly exist within my brain so yeah but the the meditation does help so well and it's like i think acceptance helps too like Mm -hmm. i get really i don't know if i talked about this last time we recorded but i get meta feelings like feelings about feelings (laughs) that make it really really difficult i'm already anxious then i'm anxious about being anxious Uh and then i'm anxious about being anxious it just like keeps snowballing Mm -hmm. um and yeah it's just rough. It's been really interesting to listen to um, Brene, Bar- Brene Brown has a good podcast. Yeah, We talk um, about Brene Brown oh, so much. Yeah. <laughs> and I used to think that she was like over quoted and stuff. And I'm like, okay, Brene. But then I started to actually like listen and stuff. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, no, this is why she's quoted so often because she knows her stuff. Yeah. But her podcast with like Laverne Cox was amazing. I literally had an entire like page of notes and there have been a few things, but comparative suffering was something that she talked about. Hmm. Have you all listened to that, that podcast? So, so it's really interesting because I do this all the time. You know, if anybody asks how I am, I'm like, well, I'm good, but you know, there's everything going on in the world or like, I have this thing that's annoying me, but like, it's so small, like compared to everything else, you know, Mm. and, and I do it constantly. And she said, you know, you not letting yourself have those emotions and thinking about like everything else in the world does not like, there's not a lack of empathy. Like, nobody... I'm not explaining this as well as Brene can, so I would highly recommend the episode. But but she talks about how giving yourself that empathy is okay. Yeah. And, and you can talk about your experiences and what you're going through without 
without qualifying it, like without saying like, well, I'm having a bad day, but you know, I, I have privilege, like I've found myself so much within the past, what, 44 days. Um, I think since George Floyd was killed, just saying like, well, I am having a tough day or I have a lot of stress, but like, you know, but I know that I have privileges and I know that, and and I think that while it's good to be aware of that, I think that also letting yourself feel your feelings is also something that needs to happen because that quote of like, you can't, you can't serve anyone with, you know, you, you need to put your own air mask on before you help somebody else. Yeah. You know, I'm trying. It's not really working, but. <laughs> well, yeah, I definitely relate to the comparative suffering. Or, yeah, if someone mm-hmm. was asking how I felt, like, yeah. especially the past month, I'd be like, well, you know, things are things are fine. But, I mean, if you think about, like, all the protests yes. and the civil unrest and the cor- the coronavirus, like, and it's just like, okay, well, I'm almost just discounting everything that I'm going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, oh, yeah, what I'm going through doesn't matter. And, yeah, I think about the privilege aspect, too. It's like, well, especially when I attempted suicide, I felt so much guilt because I was like, someone like me should not be feeling this pain because like, what have I experienced? I've had check every box of privilege. I've got it. Like I shouldn't be feeling this, but that's just discounting your feelings and they're valid. And that's why I would go back to that seven year old and be like, everything you're feeling is valid and real. And I accept it and believe in you. And that's what I wish would have happened. But, and that you're allowed to feel it. You know, I think sometimes with kids, you know, people don't want to deal with their negative emotions. Mm -hmm. So they just kind of want them to throw their temper tantrum and figure it out. Or they kind of just adults will be dismissive about what's upsetting a kid. Yeah. No, nobody really talks about it. Like no one talks them through that. I actually had it. Well, we have a friend who's awesome at it with Mm -hmm. her kids, but yeah. 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 I mean, I definitely know of people who do that with their children and I'm like, man, if I ever have kids, like I really want to be that person or that parent. But I was with my niece and nephew earlier um, this morning and last night. And yeah, we were talking about like, she is in sixth grade or going into seventh grade and she was just like man I feel like so emotional lately and I was like that's okay like that's totally fine and you are valid and I think to have those people that like I don't know are in your life to talk through those because if you tell me you're having a bad day Emery I'm not going to be like have you seen everything else going on in the world like (laughs) I'm going to be like wow I'm really sorry that you're having a bad day how can do you want to walk like do you want a cookie like I mean truly like I want both yeah sometimes sometimes (laughs) Kaysen and I will get please and thank you and that's lovely so I think yeah like those moments of I don't know the, the comparative suffering really does help me I think when it comes to framing what I'm going through and like giving myself the space to feel so we're about to the end of our time here. Uh, one question we'd like to ask sometimes is like, what advice would you give to other people who are dealing with anxiety? Huh? Wow. Yeah, that's a good one. I would say just be easy with yourself. I think um, I oftentimes will feel those feelings of like shame or guilt or gosh, I feel guilt all the time. Like I didn't get to that thing or I didn't text that person back. Obviously texting has come up like six times in this conversation. I have something, (laughs) you know, or I didn't, I didn't show up for that person in the way that I, that I wanted to. And so I feel like I'm constantly carrying this guilt around with me like a backpack. And I think to just be able to, I don't know. I mean, I think that, that my advice would be like what you're going through is totally normal. I think the more that people talk about it, I try to talk about therapy pretty openly because it allows people to say it. Like, I cannot tell you, I collected a list of therapists from friends on Instagram and there have been at least 50 people to ask me for that list. Like probably not a week goes by where people are not like, Hey, can you send me that list? And 
And I think that just being open with your experiences allows people to have that safe space. And I sometimes am like in this weird shame space of like, oh my gosh, I was just too vulnerable in that conversation or wow, I probably, they probably think I'm a freak now. But (laughs) I think the more that I share my experiences, the more that people like I want to be a safe space for people and so to share your experiences and I don't know I'm going I'm rambling (laughs) but I think that that to to be okay with um not being okay and to not not carry that guilt or shame and to know that there are people that love you and to not do the comparison compare comparative suffering thing because I think that we all do it but I don't think it makes the world better I think that like sharing your space and living, living to your fullest potential is, I don't know. I just, I'm not speaking very clearly. (laughs) No, you're great. This is great. Yeah. Anywho. All right. (laughs) Amy, that's great advice. Thank you so much for coming on the show and being so open about your therapy and your anxiety. We've been talking to people more in advocacy lately, so we haven't been Diving as deeply into feelings, and I really appreciate it in this episode that we got to dive in there again. Yeah, no problem. Thank you all so much for having me around the table, and um, I really appreciate the time and space. And make sure you find us on 1065 Forward Radio, forwardradio.org, Google Play, SoundCloud, Castbox, iTunes, Facebook, Instagram, everywhere, really. All of the things. All of the things. (laughs) All right, guys, keep talking about your feelings. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Two Nuts in a Pod on Forward Radio. Please keep in mind that we are not mental health professionals, and all of our opinions are based on our personal experiences. If you'd like to speak to a trained professional, call National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. The crisis line is available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Original theme music for Two Nuts in a Pod was composed by Neil Lucas.